with what I shared a few weeks, a couple of weeks ago, but uh, I'm just going to preach about Jesus. Does that sound cool? Jesus and nothing else. Um, I thought as I was preparing, uh, while you're on a good thing, you might as well stick to it. Is that right? And uh, great worship tonight and even the songs that we were singing, I didn't realize this morning, but as I was singing them, um, I sensed that God was speaking through them as well because in one of the songs, um, I think the water, fire one, that one, I'm not afraid. It talks about God will make a way where there was no way. And, and so tonight I want to talk about Jesus as the door. The door where in um, John 10, I'll bring it up on the screen, John 10 verses 7 to 10, Jesus said these words. He said, most assuredly I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All whoever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. Then he says very clearly, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that you may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd the good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. This statement, I don't know if you understand, but this statement that Jesus made was quite controversial, quite provocative in his day and in his time. Because when this is one of what we declare as the I am statements of Jesus, where Jesus says, I am the door. I am the good shepherd. You see, the I am statement was reserved for the God that the Jews called Yahweh. Yahweh was the God who met Moses at, at the burning bush. He was God and his name was Yahweh and he met Moses at the burning bush and he said, I am who I am. You remember that story? I am who I am. And, and this is who the, the Jews knew their God was. He was Yahweh. I am, or we call him now Jehovah. I am who I am. And that, that whole name was very sacred and very uh, hallowed by the Jews. It, it literally meant, if you want to describe it, it, it was God saying, I will be who I will be. It, it's, a, it's his declaration that he is the self-existent one. In other words, he's saying that nothing or no one determines who he is but himself. See, God is not determined by us. We do not create God. We do not, he is not a figment of our mind or our imagination. He is the self-existent one. He is the one who determines, no one determines who he is but he himself. And he shows us who he is. And so when Jesus declared, I am the door, he was saying, he was literally saying, I am who I am. He was literally saying to them, I am God. That's why, do you understand, that's why the Jews got so messed up and so angry about Jesus. Because he was declaring very clearly that he was God. And that's why they ended up crucifying him, because they saw him as a blasphemer and a, a, a heretic and a, someone who needed to be stopped. But in this, these statements of, I am, Jesus was declaring clearly his divinity. And tonight I want to look at the, this passage here where he tells us, I am, I am the door. Because as God, what does that mean? If, that if he is God, what does it mean that he is the door? I don't know about you, but 
that sort of is a weird thing to describe yourself as, isn't that right? Have you ever described yourself as a door? Anyone ever said, hey, honey, I'm home. The door is home. Welcome. Come and welcome me. Here I am. Or show up. What's your name? Oh, I am door. Or I am lamp. I don't know. But, um, but it's just a weird thing. And I'm thinking, well, Jesus, what are you talking about here? Because what do you mean by the fact that you are the door? And, and, it, and in this passage as well, he doesn't just say he's the door. Then he goes on to say, I am the good shepherd. And uh, is Jesus mixing up his metaphors? Is he, is he getting his word pictures all messed up? Or what is he actually talking about? And so tonight I want to look into this a little bit deeper and to fully understand what it means when Jesus says, I am the door. Does that sound good? Let's pray and then we'll get straight into it. Lord God, I thank you for your word. I thank you that you are God, Jesus, and that you came to show us the way. And I pray right now that you would enlighten us and open our eyes to truly understand how magnificent and how amazing you are and how much you deserve all our worship and all our servitude, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You see, to fully understand what it means to be the door, you have to look at this passage in all its context. And you have to look at the culture of the day. Because what Jesus is doing is he's talking about something that was very common to them, something that they were very aware of. Maybe if we were looking at it today, if Jesus was here today, he might be using metaphors or word pictures that related to things like the internet or you know passwords or, or Wi-Fi or things like that. But he's actually declaring here in this passage something to do with what a shepherd does. You see, he declares he's a shepherd, but he also declares he's a door. And the two are actually related, even though we might not know that. But the two are very much in common and have a lot in common. Because in the summer months, when the shepherds around Israel would be doing their shepherding job, they'd be up in the mountainside or the hillside, and they'd be taking their sheep to places where they, it could find pasture. And in the warmer weather they would go further because further away from the village because um, it would be hard to find good food in the drier months. So they'd have to travel further. But um, it was okay because as they travelled further, what they actually had done and planned over many years is they had created things called sheepfolds. Now, these were little walled areas that you know, were made up of basically a few walls, four walls built up from bricks, I guess, built up from, not bricks, but stones, built up from things that they, had, they could gather around. And they'd build up these little sheepfolds where they could bring the sheep into safety at night. But the, with the sheepfolds, they had an opening at the front, just a small opening where the sheep could get in and out, and then they could rest in there once they were in. Now, the, the, the thing about these sheepfolds is they didn't have doors. Obviously, they didn't have the ability out in the middle of nowhere to find stuff to build a door with, but they had enough to build walls. So what the shepherd would literally do is at night, he would bring his sheep into that area so they would be safe, and then he would actually lay across the opening. He would lay across that area and sleep there overnight while his sheep were inside, and he literally became the door for the sheep. 
So as he laid there, the sheep couldn't go out and go out into danger, but he would be protecting them. But he would also be stopping the predators and the things that would want to kill sheep from getting in. So when Jesus declared, I am the door of the sheep, all of a sudden the Jewish people go, ah, he's talking about the fact that when the sheep lay, that the shepherd lays across the opening and that nothing can get in or out other than it comes past him. And this is the statement that Jesus makes and that's so powerful is that he is declaring to us really clearly that he himself is the door and that no one can come to a safe place. No one can come to God but through him. That if they're going to get to God and to a safe place, they need to come through the door, the shepherd that Jesus is declaring himself to be. And this is what's really amazing because as he says, I am the door, he's declaring, number one, that yes, he is God, but he's also declaring he is the way to God. And this is really important because for the Jews, God was this, it was Yahweh, this Jehovah, this distant God, this, this God who they had to keep happy and they had to keep appease him and and if they didn't do the right thing by him bad things would happen and if they did the right things by him then good things would happen and so this whole idea of God was that he was this this amazing and he is this amazing great God but there was nothing personal about him for them it was only they keep him happy or or they make him upset but when Jesus declares I am the door into this sheepfold into this safe place he, he was declaring that I am the sort of God that wants to get involved in your everyday life. I'm not, I'm not some God that is far away and that you have to try to keep happy. I am a God who wants to be in relationship with you. This is the exciting thing. So I wanna, want us to have a quick look at this passage, especially the part that says, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. And I want us to understand what this means because firstly it means that Jesus is saying that I and I alone am your entry to salvation. He says that if anyone enters by me, what does it say? He will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. Pasture relates to a, a, a safe place, a, a place of of satisfaction and rest. And this is the thing, when it talks about salvation, what, it, what he is saying is that if we enter through him, we will discover that we can stop striving, we can stop working so hard to try to do the right thing, and we can become who God has created us to be. You see, Jesus is declaring that he is the doorway to salvation, which simply means that salvation is a doorway into that place of rest for our lives, where we can rest in God. We don't have to struggle and strive. We don't have to battle. But when, when we ask Jesus into our lives and we acknowledge him as the door to a relationship with God, he promises us that we will find rest for our souls. You see, I don't know about you, but so often in life over the years, I find myself in a place where I'm striving. I'm working really hard to, you know, do what 
all these different things I want to do and, I, and I, I, I'm trying to make ends meet and I'm trying to do stuff. But sometimes when you stop and you rest, I don't know if you've ever had this experience, where you stop and you have a break and you slow down, you might go on holiday or something, that all of a sudden the thoughts go, what on earth am I doing this for? Why am I working so hard? Why is, why is every... Is, am I really making a difference? Am I, am I really... Is, is my life really that significant? Is it, and does that really matter? And that's the struggle that we all have, that we, we're battling away and battling away. But Jesus says, no, if anyone comes to me, if anyone enters by me, he will be saved. And he will find pasture. He will find rest. You see, God wants to bring us to a place where we know that no matter what life throws at us, it will never change our relationship with him. That he will be our shepherd. And the one thing that we will always know is that he is always with us. Now, I don't know about you, but um, the fact is, Bad things happen to everyone. Isn't that right? doesn't matter whether you're a Christian or you're not. Stuff happens. And bad things happen. The Bible says that the rain falls on the just and the unjust the same. It's the fact of life that Jesus is not promising in this passage that you will never have bad stuff happen to you. He's not saying that. But he is saying that he wants to give you rest. He wants to bring you into a place where if we come through him, that we will know that he is always with us. And no matter what we go through, that that can never be changed. That if we say, Jesus, I want to enter by you, and I want to put my life in your hands, and I want to put my life in the good shepherd's hands, and I want to be the sheep, and I want to let you be the shepherd, and when we do that and acknowledge him and say, lead me, God, guide me, take me wherever you want me, and we put ourselves in that safe place of knowing that he is God and we are his creation, then we find that place of rest that it doesn't matter what life throws at us, God is always with us. And we can get through anything because he is with us. And it doesn't matter how bad it looks, we know that he will make a way when we put our trust in him. As we sang tonight in that song, floods, fire, drowning, all of that stuff, we won't because he is with us. And um, this is the thing because at the end of the day, what Jesus is saying is coming into this place of pasture is coming into the place that we were created to live, the type of life that we were created to live, a life in dependence upon him. That's what we, we were created for. We were created to depend on him, that he is the shepherd and we are the sheep. And when we come into that place, it brings great peace and great safety and great rest because we don't have to struggle and strive, but we can just rest in him. Now, I want to share with you about a person who was a great example of this. Her name was Corrie Ten Boom. I don't know if anyone's ever heard of her. Um, in the old days when I was a young fella, um, she was very well known. She wrote a book called The Hiding Place. If it comes up. My clicker's died. There she is. That's her in her old age. Corrie Ten Boom uh, was uh, 
a woman who grew up in the Netherlands in a place called Harlem. And uh, during World War II, her and her family uh, were just a normal Christian family, a, a very devoutly Christian family. And uh, when the Second World War came and Germany invaded the Netherlands, uh, the Germans, the Nazis, began to gather up Jews. And they, they realized that this, something bad was happening and that these people, these Jews that they were gathering up, they were never seeing again. And that the word got out that of concentration camps and things like of the sort. And so this family, this brave Christian family, decided this is not right. And so they began to look after Jews and hide them from the Nazis. And they began to hide them in their home and harbour them in their home and, and try to find them safe passage to, other, to get out of the Netherlands. So it's an amazing story. If you ever get to read the book, The Hiding Place, it's a great book. But at one point during the war, um, someone dobbed them in. So someone dobbed them into the Nazis and told the Nazis that this family was harbouring Jews. And so the Nazis came in, they found the Jews and they took this family and they put them in the same concentration camps that the Jews were being put in. And um, so her and her family were taken to this concentration camp and literally um, her father died and her sister died and many other family members, like extended family members died. But at, at one point in 1944, December 1944, she, after her father had died, her sister had died, she'd seen all sorts of atrocities and, uh, and terrible things happen. Out of the blue, for no reason, they actually released her from the concentration camp. And she was let out and she was freed and she was allowed to go back to her home. And, uh, and, but after all this bad stuff had happened, the, her sister had been taken to the gas chamber. Her father had been beaten and, and shot to, and killed and, and the n- number of other things that had happened. But she had been allowed to go home. And she went on to write this book to explain the story. But the amazing thing is, even through the most terrible times that she went through, she stayed so strong in her faith. She stayed solid and she, she made some amazing declarations. And I'll just share some of them to see the type of life we can live no matter what we face if we allow God to be our shepherd and allow him to give us rest. But he, she said this, you can never learn that Christ is all you need until Christ is all you have. Something she discovered in a concentration camp where everything was gone and Christ was all she had. She said this, When a train goes through a tunnel and it gets dark, you don't throw away the ticket and jump off. You sit still and trust the engineer. What a great analogy for God. Sometimes in our life, stuff gets dark, stuff gets hard, and we think this Jesus stuff is too hard. I'm I'm bailing. I'm getting out of here. But she no. You've got to hold on to your ticket and trust that God will get you through. She said this, happiness isn't something that depends on our surroundings. Think of that. She was in a concentration camp. It's something we make inside ourselves. And the last one, where she discovered that no pit is so deep that God is not deeper still. No pit is so deep 
that God is not deeper still. What an amazing example of someone, no matter how dark it gets, no matter how difficult it gets, that if we have God, we can still find rest and strength in those times. Jesus said it this way in Matthew 11, 28 to 30. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. You see salvation that Jesus promises as the door, pasture that he describes is entering into a relationship with him where we discover and learn to live the life that he created us for, a life that depends on him, a life where we can rest, we don't have to strive, a life that is full of peace and the knowledge that no one or no thing can rob what God has placed in our hearts. No one can take that because what God gives, no one can take away. The second thing we learned from this passage is that Jesus is saying that I and I alone am your freedom, I am your entry to freedom. It says that he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. This passage where it says in and out is actually a Jewish expression where they and it's a description of freedom that as Jews, when they, they describe this and they use this term, we can go in and out, they're talking about the fact that they've got freedom to go where they want to go. They've got freedom to, to and it's a, an expression of freedom. And so what Jesus is saying is that, that as we enter through him, he will give us freedom. And I don't know about you, but there's times in my life where I find myself in places where I go, I don't know how I'm going to get out of this. I feel like I'm trapped. I feel like I'm in a place where this is too hard, God. This is too big. This is too overwhelming. How is this going to happen? But Jesus declares to us really clearly that if we choose to follow him, he will make a way where there looks like there's no way. He will be the door that will lead us into a place of freedom. You know, I know there's people here, even in this place, that, You've experienced the struggles and the difficulties where you've struggled with addictions and different battles that you've had, but you've come to a place where you've gone, God, I can't do this anymore. I, I just need you to help me. I just, I, I give up. I just put my life in your hands. And I've talked to people in this place who have had serious addictions and they've come to that point where they've, they've said, God, I'm not going to try anymore. I just give it to you. And all of a sudden, freedom comes. And they've been set free and they've never touched that substance or that alcohol or those gambling again because they've realized that I can't do this, can't do it, it's too hard. So I'm just going to enter by the door called Jesus. Jesus, help me. And all of a sudden, Jesus says, trust me and I'll take you into a pasture and a place where you can go and in, in and out and you can be free from anything that tries to hold you down. Because that's what it means for Jesus to be the door. That he is our door and our path to salvation, but he's also our path to freedom. And I'll finish with this last point, which is really cool and it's a good way to finish. But Jesus finally says that I and I alone 
am your entry, am the entry for anyone and everyone to God. You see, and I talk about this a lot in this church, but he says there, if anyone, what does he say? What does anyone mean? Anyone. Does it mean just the men? Can women enter? Can Australians enter? What about Italians? No, it says anyone. Crow supporters? Come on. Come on. No, it says church. It says anyone. Anyone, even a Crow supporter can enter. Anyone. It doesn't matter who you are or what you've done or what your name is. Anyone. Anyone. Do you understand that? This is huge. This is provocative. This is out of the ordinary. This is beyond for them because to the Jews, it wasn't anyone. It was only the Jews. Israel was the only ones who were the children of God. No one else. It's Israel were God's chosen people. But Jesus says, no, anyone. Anyone. And Jesus lived in a time when segregation and, and separation was rife. It, there was a huge gap. It's pretty bad now, but back then it was a lot worse. There was a huge gap between men and women. Women weren't allowed to talk to any man unless they were in their family group. They were not allowed to talk to any other guy around the place. If you were disabled at that time, if you were a leper, if you were sick, you were actually thought of as unclean and unworthy of anything. This is the type of land and the place that Jesus lived. If you were a Gentile, then you weren't even considered worthy of anything. And this is the, way, this is the culture that Jesus was talking to. And it was no more evident. This is the sad thing. This, this segregation, this separation was no more evident than in their religious practices. The way they practiced religion it accentuated the fact that there was only some that were more worthy than others and that others had no hope because of their situation. And, and this is no better seen in the actual most holy place of the, of the Jewish religion, the temple. So I want to show you some really interesting things about the temple which really show us a, an insight into what Jesus is talking against when he says, if anyone. This is a, an outline of the temple. I don't know if you've ever seen this. This is the, the most sacred place in the Jewish culture. And if you, you have a look here, there's um, different areas. This bottom part says the outer court. And then it says the inner court, and then the next bit up, the big dark area, is the holy place. And then the, the most holy place is the holy of holies right up the top there. But basically, if you have a look around here, oops, there's all, all these di different openings are little doorways. And all these doorways served with a purpose. The purpose of these doorways were to filter people through and, and filter them through until the most sacred and the most holy people were at the end point. So basically, if you have a look, I'll give you a better picture where it's a bit closer. The, in, the outer court was actually called the court of women. Yep, you see the beautiful gate there? 
the beautiful gate where, the, where they did the miracle, Peter and, and John. Um, but the court of women literally means women could only enter into this part of the temple. They could not go any further. And if you were disabled or if you were a leper, you couldn't go any further than this either. This was, this was as far as you could... This is as close because you have to understand that this place here, the most holy place or the holy of holies, was where the Jews believed God's presence dwelt. So that's where God was. And so the closest women could get to God was that outer court. This is how segregated their religion was. So you think about this. Jesus is saying, not if men want to find God, if anyone, if anyone. And so if it, then the next point is the court of the priests or the inner court. Now men could come through here, but only healthy and, and uh, adult males could enter into this part. Um, and then the next part, the holy place, only priests could enter this part. So the priests, uh, and you think of it, the priests were only men, and they were only men from a certain family in Israel. So can you see how it's filtered down? Like, anyone can go in that first court, but if you want to be really special and really close to God, then you can only be a man. And then if you want to get even more close to God and really special, then you, you have to be a man from a certain tribe and a certain family. And then the last place, the Holy of Holies, only one person in all of Israel could enter that place and only once a year. And that was the, the high priest. And the high priest went into that place once a year to make atonement for the nation's sins. And they would literally tie a rope around his ankle and give him a bell that he would ring. And the, the idea was that if he was a worthy high priest, that he would go in there ringing the bell, he would make atonement, and he would come back out still ringing the bell. But if he was unworthy, God would strike him dead, and so the bell would start ringing, and so they would have to drag him out of the temple because he wasn't worthy, and so the nation was unworthy. This is the type of thing that Jesus is talking to because for anyone to experience the presence of God, they had to be a man, they had to be a priest, and they, in, the, in the end they had to be the, the most high priest. And this is, I don't know about you, but that smacks to me of religion. Because religion tells us if we're going to do the right thing by God, then we have to be a certain way, and we have to do certain things, and we have to be you know, holy, and we have to not do this and not do that. And if we not do this and not do that, then we will get closer to God. But Jesus says, if anyone enters by me, if anyone. So he's, he's declaring and he's, he's basically saying that everyone and anyone can have a relationship with God through me. And this is where it gets really exciting because in this place here, between the holy place and the most holy, that line there, it was actually, there was a, an actual veil that hung between the holy, most holy of holies and the holy place. And that veil literally represented um, that there was an a obstacle or a barrier between men and mankind and God's presence. 
And that, that veil represented that barrier that because of sin, that man was separated from God. And, and so they would, this one man would go in once a year to try to make atonement for that sin. And he'd have to go through the veil. And this is the really exciting thing because just as that veil was a symbol of the fact that man was separated from the very presence of God, here's the amazing thing. In Matthew 27:51, at the moment when Jesus died on the cross, it says, at that moment, the curtain of the temple, this veil, was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earth shook and the rocks split. You see, the moment that Jesus paid the price for our sin, the moment that he died on that cross and paid the ransom for sin and death, that veil, that thing that separated, that represented separation between man and God was torn in two. What does that tell us? That no longer man was separated from the presence of God. That because of what Jesus did, man now has open access and man can enter through Jesus into God's very presence. That there's nothing that separates us any longer from God's presence. Does that sound good? Are you excited about that? You see, when Jesus died and his body was sacrificed for our sins, the barrier, the veil that separated man from God's presence was torn in two. And Jesus, Jesus' very body, which was torn and broken for us, became the entry point for us to have relationship with God. That's why now we can say anyone and everybody can now enter into the presence of God. In Hebrews this sums it up perfectly in Hebrews 10. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place, the holy of holies, how? By the blood of Jesus. By a new and living way opened for us through the curtain that is his body. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. That Jesus, by the blood of Jesus, what does it say there? By a new and living way opened for us. What is Jesus? I am the door. I have opened a way for you to God through my broken body. That now because I was beaten, because I was crucified on that cross, now you can enter through me into the very holy of holies. That God, we are no longer separated from God's presence. Every one of us can be confident and to know that if we say, Jesus, I put my trust in you as my door, that he will allow us to enter in. You see, Jesus' body being broken on the cross represented the veil being torn so that anyone can pass through him and enter by him into God's presence. You see, before Jesus' sacrifice... It was only a select few. And you had to jump through all sorts of hoops and stuff to get there. But now, because of Jesus' sacrifice, 
we all can enter into God's presence by putting our faith in Jesus Christ and by saying, Jesus, you are God. I'm sorry for not following you, but now I put my trust in you because Jesus opened a way for all of us to know God. And this is the exciting thing. Remember before I said that for the Jews, God was this far-off God that they just had to please and, and, and hope for the best. But now, if you see this, if you see the fact that God's done away with all that stuff, he's saying that, that does not work because I'm not a God that wants to, wants to come and, and judge you and, and pull you down. I'm a God who wants to have relationship with you. And I've done everything I can to have relationship with you. I've made a way, and that way is Jesus. There is a door you can enter by, and that door is Jesus. And if you enter by him, what does it say? You will be saved. You will go in and out, and you will find pasture. You will find peace. You will find rest. See, Jesus is the door, and we can have, because of him, we can have a relationship with God, and we can find rest for our souls. We can find the life we were created to live, a life in relationship with God, a life that brings us rest and peace. This is what God's called us to, and this is the amazing God we serve. This is Jesus, a God who loves us, loves us so much that he would actually become one of us to make a way for us to God. I am the door, he says. I am the door. Let's pray. You know, earlier this week, I was at um, I was at pop up prime time on um, on Thursday morning with the with the over sixties, and it was really good. And we were sharing around the table, and and uh, they didn't know what I was sharing this week. But Elaine Petty raised a scripture that all of a sudden really made a lot of sense to me, and. Um, we talk about this scripture a lot, and it's in 1 Corinthians 10, verse 13. It says there, No temptation or no trial has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And then it says, And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted or tried beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, He will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. And when she shared that scripture and that part, he will provide a way out so that you can endure it. All of a sudden I thought of the fact that Jesus is the door. When we find ourselves in places where we are being tried and tempted and it's hard, that the jo our job is not to struggle and strive and try to find a door and try to make a way out. No, our job is to go to the door our job is to go to jesus and say jesus help me help me get out of here help me because he is the door he is the door 
And tonight there's people in this place that you've been struggling and striving and you're in places that are tough and hard and you're, you're going, I just don't know how I'm going to get out of this. And Jesus wants you to know, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, they will be saved. They will find pasture. So right now, as every head is bowed and every eye closed, if you're in that place and you feel like, I'm struggling, it's hard, I'm struggling to trust Jesus as my door, but I know I need to turn to him. I need to turn to him and stop trying to do it in my own strength, but I need to turn to him. I want you to pray with me. I want you to say a prayer with me because I believe that as we turn to him, we will discover an opening and a freedom that we'd never known before. So if you're like that in this place, I want you to repeat this prayer after me as a prayer from your heart to say, Jesus, I need your help. And then we're just going to take a moment just to just to spend some time with him and just to worship him and just to take some time out and allow him to minister to our souls. So if you'd like to repeat this prayer after me, and then we'll spend some time connecting with God. Dear Lord Jesus, you know the struggles I have. You know how trapped I feel. And I'm tired of doing it on my own. I need your help. Sorry for not coming to you sooner. But right now, I put my life in your hands. I acknowledge you as my door. Come and bring peace. In Jesus' name.